I just want to give me one second. I want to make sure I get it. I say what I want to say (laughs) because I can easily not. Right. Um, is a pastor, a podcast about life and set-apart ministry. Each week we sit down to discuss our experiences and challenges in small-town parish ministry and in PhD work and ask others to join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. So Ethan, how was your week this week? Uh, the week was interesting. I um, This week has been my um, orientation week for school. Ooh. And so I have had uh, a, a number of long Zoom orientation things uh, that have been going on. And it's been great. Uh, it, it's been long, but it's definitely been great. So I, I think that's good. Uh, and so, yeah, orientation was good. And uh, I still have two more orientation days. I have tomorrow, I have some orientation stuff. And then Friday, I have the religious studies department orientation. But yesterday at noon, I had like a little mini informal um, lunch get together. And by lunch get together, I mean, I ate a sandwich in, in my guest bedroom while on zoom (laughs) with other people who were eating sandwiches um Mm -hmm. and and i met uh you know like a third year in in the program like a third year phd student who was kind of overseeing it and then two of the people that are going to be in my cohort you know two of the folks who are coming in at the same time i am that's for the listeners if they don't know what the word cohort means in this uh, and and they're very nice. They're uh, uh, I'll give their first names. Their names are Heather and Chris, and and they're both studying Buddhism. Hmm. And uh, Heather, uh, this is really cool. I, I thought this was cool. Heather is retiring after serving uh, nineteen years as a Buddhist nun. Oh, interesting. Yes, yes. She's uh, she's very nice. Um, and it's no nonsense, which I like. Like I, I, I bet one day I will say that to her in the middle of our methods of research class because we're all we all take that together. But one day I'll be like, I love that you're like, I love that you're just like, you know, do not fuck with me. <laughs> and and I, I love that about her. Uh, she's nice, but she's but she's like, you know, like she's like on the real world. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to, <laughs> you know, like, like she's she's ready. But uh, but I'd love to hear more about her story because she, you know, we we got to know each other a little bit. But but I'd love to hear more about why she's retiring. And then uh, and then Chris is also studying Buddhism. He's studying Chinese Buddhism, and and you know I got to say what I was studying, and they were all like, oh okay. 
<laughs> which is which is fine. Uh, uh, but uh, Heather and I bonded over being um, over leaving the clergy. <laughs> Woo! Like, yeah, this life is this life is weird. So that was cool. That was my first thing, and then I had a Zoom meeting with my advisor. Um, who, who's really, really great. He's a British theologian. Paul Jones is his name. And he studies liberation theology and public theology. And, and he's a Bart guy and a Schleiermacher guy, believe it or not. Um, so they all go together. And, and he was really great. And we chatted about research and, and the program and what my plan is for language requirements and how, how we're going to go about doing that and fulfill those. Uh, and then I, from two to five, I had like a big graduate school orientation where we uh, basically sat on zoom and, and listened to some folks talk about like library resources and um, li like uh, for doctoral students kind of across the board how we might use the the university resources to like get teaching certificates or stuff like that and and the the not the discrimination policies and you know you know the stuff you get and so that was good yeah and that that kind of went on and, and and that was that was pretty good that was fun and so that was kind of my my first day of orientation. And as I said, I have two more days. Uh, and then, and with the last one being the religious studies orientation where I don't know what that's going to look like, but I imagine that'll be, that'll be a fun time. Um, yeah. The other thing that happened, here's a fun thing. You ready for this? Okay. Um, Cause you're going to, I know how much we love to talk case studies on, on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm a part of a church camp. Um, I'm a part of two church camps, and I still am, even though I'm, I'm. And these, of course, have been canceled over the, for this summer, but I've been a part of church camps for uh, the last several years. And and one of the things, and and so I, I do a, I do a a a elementary camp. Um, that's one week. Um, with a with a set of different set of people and I'm sort of the camp pastor for that and so I kind of have like responsibilities and stuff and then last year I was invited to be a counselor in a middle school and high school camp by some folks that we went to Wesley with who are who are uh, pastors in in the conference that I'm a part of and that was a lot of fun both both are a lot of fun but but this one was is particularly a, a, a lot of fun. It was, it's set up kind of interestingly and, and well, and, and it attracts um, a, a group of kids who are not necessarily Christians or not necessarily, you know, we encourage a lot of conversation and a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. It's, it's less structured and, and I enjoy it. It's the, it's the kind of camp that I would have loved uh, as a, as a, as a young person, but, uh, a couple weeks ago, one of the deans for this camp, we have a, a Facebook message, message group. And a few weeks ago, one of the deans for this camp posted a picture in the Facebook message group uh, of, of, from the Instagram of one of our campers. 
and it was a woman, a, a girl, and and uh, he commented, "It's a good thing we're not having camp this year because we'd have to beat the boys away from her with a stick." It's the year of our Lord, twenty twenty. This yeah. should be okay to do. So that so this was a few weeks ago, okay? And he posted it, and it was radio silence, like nothing happened. We we just stared at it. We all saw it. We just stared at it. I typed and and deleted like seven things. Like like I I because I so this is a hard because one of the one of the deans of our camp I I don't know very well. The other the co dean is somebody I've known for a really long time and and and. And that's different, but but this this gentleman is, you know, in his forties. I I don't know him very well. I ultimately only met him the first time last summer, um, and so I'm not his friend, right? You know what I mean? Like like I'm not his friend in the same way that some other folks in at, at a part of that camp and I are, and and you know me pretty well at this point, Joe. Like one of my faults <laughs> is is a belief in hierarchy and authority <laughs> mm-hmm. and that is something of a fault but it's also some like this is why i get so frustrated with bishops right i ultimately just want bishops to function as the pope and i just want bishops to just say this is what you're doing and then i go yes sir or yes ma'am and then i move on you know what i mean like that mostly cuz i like clarity when it comes to the job yeah and so <laughs> I, from my perspective, this dean and I are not equals. You know, there's a power dynamic there, obviously, as we know. He's the dean. He's also a an ordained elder in the conference. And so there's another power dynamic there, too. And And so I don't really know what to say. I know nobody knows what to say. And I was just about to send a message to the co-dean, who I get along with really well and I've known for a long time, when he uh, apologizes in chat. Sort of. He sort of apologizes. It it was an apology. He just wasn't apologizing for the correct thing. Um, He apologizes in chat for offending us. Sorry. It was a sincere apology. He doesn't want to offend us, and he's not. And he's not. Uh, you know, he. You know what I mean? Like, like he. Th- this is more cluelessness than maliciousness, right? Mm. Um, it has the same impact. I'm not trying to discredit. I'm not trying to, you know, soften it. But, but we're not talking about a. You know, we're not talking about a villain. We're talking about a. Uh, a, a clueless person with with authority, uh, which could be just as bad. Um, but he apologizes for offending us. He's like, "I'm really sorry. I, I, I'm sorry that my comments um, offended some of you because I guess somebody maybe sent him a message directly. Uh, truly, am sorry, friends. You know, this won't happen again. Boom. Hmm. Okay." So remember, this is a couple weeks ago. So two days ago, he sends a message to the group saying, 
that uh, the head of the campground, you know, of the camping of the camp that that we do our, our weeks of camp at and him had a conversation and he has been removed as dean and he's no longer allowed to to be you know at camp wow he he said i want to be very clear um i am not blaming anybody i'm not upset you know that that somebody told you know the the head of the camp because obviously that's what happened you know like somebody had this was in a private group somebody had to to tell her the head of the tell the, the head of the camp um this is my fault and i'm very sorry i love you all goodbye then he leaves the group wow okay so <laughs> uh immediately um lines in the sand are drawn in our group oh no which is not good um there's two folks a part of our camp who are friends with him who don't see the problem oh no don't understand why it had to leave the group not good a couple other people are commenting like well no he you know sexualized a camper you brought it forward that like this is bad an argument starts i kind of jump in and i'm like let's have a zoom meeting about this let's stop talking about it right now let's schedule a time where we can talk about it where we can see each other's faces and let's yeah. try to schedule it in the next 48 hours okay so we did so we had that zoom meeting uh yesterday evening and you know, it didn't go great. <laughs> I believe that. It didn't go great. You know, it's, it, uh, you and I uh, agreed, Joe, like, like to me, this is really clear cut and, and pretty, pretty obvious. Like it doesn't matter what his intentions were. It doesn't matter. Um, apparently one of the things he kept saying in, in private conversations with certain folks in our group is I thought this was a safe place for me to be able to share things like this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You are the Dean. We don't make safe places for you. You know, you make safe places for everybody else. Um, this safe place does not equal, um, uh, uh, bringing the kids into this like like that's just not how that works you know a safe place is not equal we all pretend that we're 16 and on equal playing fields that's not what a safe place is right you know like and so we talked about it on zoom you know the two folks who the two folks still don't that 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 brought it up that didn't see any problem still don't see any problem they don't really see it as predatory they don't really see it as sexualization they don't really see it as as an issue and and different folks are are kind of debating that with them and trying to help them see that and and you know finally i i i uh, one of the people one of the counselors 
said, listen, we're, we're his friends and this could affect his career. And, and I just don't know why we didn't protect him from that. And I jumped in and I was like, oh, oh, I'm not his friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I'm not his friend. I only met him last year for a week. I'm not his friend. He's uh, um, above, he's our dean. It's not our job to protect him from anything. It's his job to protect us from stuff. But it's, that wouldn't be his job to protect us from this. Like, like this is the absolute right call was made. Like we, this had to be brought forward. If I did this, the first thing that should have happened would have been somebody needed to report me to the deans. Mm -hmm. And then it would have been handled. And what might've happened is I wouldn't have been invited back, but this was a Dean who did that. And so the first thing person we have to report to is the head of camp. You know, we can't make this because we're not equals. That, that, that's ridiculous. And the, and, and so like, the conversation kind of continued and, and it became, you know, once again, I don't, uh, the, it's not like he made uh, sexual comments about her other than the fact that he did, you know, like, like right. he just didn't use the words. And, and finally I said, guys, would we have been comfortable talking about this conversation in front of the kids? Yeah. Silence. I was like, of course not. This would have been a disaster if the kids found out. You and I know that. Like, I'm talking to the two people who, who really don't see any problem with it. Like, you guys know that. You know that, that if we would have said something to the kids, like, like that, that this would have been an absolute debacle. This would have made this, this girl uncomfortable. This would have made everybody uncomfortable. There could have been bullying. There could have been a wondering why. Well, why are we? Why are they talking about her and not me? There could have been a, a, a crap ton of, of issues in that moment. And so you know that this is a problem. You're you're saying you're saying that it's not a big deal, but you know it is a big deal because you somebody tell tell the girl right now. See what happens. You know we have to keep this a secret, and so you know that it's a problem. You just don't think it's it's a a, a problem that um, you know warrants some kind of action, but you know that it's a problem. And then I left <laughs> because I had to put a tray to bed, um, and so that was fun. We'll see where that goes. My hope. Uh, secretly, and they don't listen to this, so it's 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 no big deal. My hope secretly is that these two folks just sort of leave, because, yeah. you know, I I just <sighs> I don't I don't have the time to, and none of us do, you know, have the time to debate the semantics, like like oh he's just making an innocuous comment. No, he's not. You know, no, he's not. That comment might have been more innocuous if he was 16 and, and they, because this girl is 16, if we were all 16 
None of us had, there was no power differential. And, and he was just saying, wow, I think she's real pretty. That's different. Because yeah. there's because there's no uh, inherent dynamic set up that that puts anybody, you know, at risk necessarily. That's different. Uh, but instead, the head of our week of camp uh, makes a comment about the physical appearance uh, and sexual desirability of um, of a camper, and you don't really think that's a big deal? Like, of course it is. Of course it is. It's the head of camp. Yeah. Even if it, even if it wasn't the head of camp, it's still not an okay thing for anybody to say. The problem here is that it has been an okay thing in the past for older men to say about girls and Mm -hmm. that, um, we're not going to, we're not going to solve that problem overnight, but anytime we see it, there should be a correction, right? There should be education about why that's not an okay thing to say. And if people don't accept that education, then that's their problem. Um, But that also means that anybody who's in charge of supervising that person now needs to be aware because like, it is not that that person is going to necessarily engage in abuse or do something horrible, but it's also not a great sign, you know? And if it was somebody who uh, deeply wanted to care for children and put children's, um, put children's lives and well-being first, they would say, oh my God, I never thought about it that way. I completely see what you're saying. I never want to cause that kind of harm. I'm sorry, it won't happen again. Uh, right, right. The apology, that, that's, that's the other sign that I think you're, you're identifying. The apology was not actually an apology. Right. It's the, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings kind of apology, which is not helpful. Right, right. Be, because I'm open to that. Like I'm open to, I'm open to extending grace. And, and so that was the other thing that was brought forward by, by somebody. Well, what, what happened to grace? And I'm like, and I look at, and, and, and I wasn't the only one who was talking, but, but I was like, friends, we are showing him grace. We are like what you are describing is what you're describing is not grace. What you're describing is, there are no consequences or no accountability. It's all free for all. Like it, there, there, there were ample opportunities for uh, this person to uh, recant mm-hmm. and, and, and make it clear that he understood what the problem was. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I, I, I get, and I, th- this is brought up as well. Like one of the things I brought up was um, the, the difference in time uh, between when this guy went to seminary and when I went to seminary, mm-hmm. like, like I was like, Hey, he, there, there's a, there's a 15 or 20 year difference here. You know, like I, I'm not saying that I'm better. What I'm saying is, is that when, when he made this comment, the only person I could hear in my head was Sandra Wheeler. 
mm-hmm. you know, going under no circumstances do you do this, you know, <laughs> under no circumstances do you power d- dynamics, sex and power, sex and power, like, 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 ah, oh, crap, you know, that might not be going through his head. But if he's not able to see after it is explained to him, you know, oh, this comment, you know, does this. Uh, and is not able to immediately, as you said, go, yeah, I've never thought of it that way before. That was, of course, not my intention. And I would never want anybody to think that was my intention. That will not happen again. I'm very sorry. That, that's a totally different conversation. Uh, and that would be an extension of grace then. You know, yeah. grace isn't, he doesn't get what he did wrong. Eh, it's not, you know, let's just let it go. No, screw that, you know. <laughs> no. So. Yeah, I think this is, um, I, and we may have talked about this on the podcast before. It's something I think about a lot, is that um, the church in the United States is um, very good, well, let me, let me put it this way there are kind of three main ways that the church functions in the United States. There is the like um, preservation of ritual and uh, community center aspect that isn't, is more concerned with building the community than it is with uh, personal responsibility. There is Mm. the um, cast all your sins upon Jesus and be saved brand and then there are like mainline protestants who are are just here to tell you how to be moral i guess and and none of those branches none of those approaches generally have um anything like the actual christian structure of um correction and repentance and restitution in forgiveness. Like, I'm not saying that grace is earned, right? Because then that's, that's just not what grace is. That's not how grace works fundamentally. Mm-hmm. But um, there is, there is still personal responsibility. Um, and there's still like, you have a personal responsibility to continue to grow to be more like Christ, right? Like sanctification is something that you actively participate in. This is something that you and the spirit are doing together, working together within yourself. Um, And there's grace abundant for that. But when you shut down that process, when you, um, or when you don't even know what the process is, right? When you don't really know that like, this is a a routine that we all have to be in. This is a rhythm that we all have to be in of learning better ways to be and then deciding to be those better versions of ourselves through the power of the spirit, through the teaching of others, the through learning more about the Christian faith, through like diving into scripture and letting scripture speak to us. Like there's all these ways that that continuing education, that continuing sanctification process happens. Mm-hmm. But if you flat out say, I don't see what the problem is here. I don't have any sin to repent of. Then, then there's no room to work, right? Like then you are an unrepentant sinner and we just have to move on. 
because there's nothing else that can be done until you open up your heart and say, you know, maybe other people have wisdom to share with me. Um, and, and we just don't teach people enough how to do that. We don't teach people how to be wrong. We teach them, Mm -hmm. um, that you are justified by Jesus once. And then after that, you're good and just try to be a good person. We like, we don't teach people how to get back up after they stumble and fall. Um, because it probably, it hurt him as well to see that this thing that he thought was innocuous, that he thought was a joke, that he thought was a compliment, right? That he probably thought was like being, being kind in a way to see that like, oh no, that's not what this is. Like that's hurtful to realize that like, this is something that he has probably done all of his life. And then to realize that is not a good and helpful thing that brings a lot of shame on you and shame is painful. And so I get it. Um, but the way to, um, to deal with that, uh, those emotions is not to double down on your rightness. It is to accept that things are difficult, but that you can do these difficult things and that you can repent and that you can learn and that you can be better. And that when you're better, you will have better relationships with others, right? Like that there is a a really big pro on the other side of admitting that you've done something wrong and growing from it. And that's that you have a better place in the world and other people around you will, will, the world will be better because you are better. And I just don't hear enough of that shared in churches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. It's a, I just got listeners. I just got out of therapy before we started. recording. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that we talked about um, is how like, I mean, I went through puberty early uh, and I am well endowed by my creator on my top half. And so there are like, I was subject to a lot of glances, a lot of comments. Um, and because I, uh, adopted a really um, uh, kind of gender neutral appearance. I wore a lot of t-shirts and jeans and uh, did my best to not flatter anything in my appearance. People don't really know, other than noticing that like there was something there, people didn't really like sexualize me because I very much tried to make myself the least sexy possible, thanks purity culture. Um, and then all it took was for me to uh, figure out how to get clothing that fit me in a more flattering way and how to wear makeup and part my hair on the side instead of down the middle. And suddenly everybody's like, oh, you look so grown up. And I'm like, you know, I could have chosen to look this way in, in middle school and in high school. And then I would have been getting the same comments as this girl. And it was just because I was taught to, um, to hide my body and dislike my body that I didn't get those comments earlier. So this is something Mm -hmm. that like, I'm particularly sensitive about in this moment, but like we, we sexualize girls more than we ever should. Um, And then boys are kind of expected to also like be in on like jokes like this uh, in a way that sexualizes them in a way that they don't need to be either. So it's, we just, throughout history, we have not done a 
good job of caring for our adolescents. And now we know the consequences of that. And if you know that there are negative consequences, why on earth wouldn't you change your behavior? Right. So, right. yeah, I, it's gross. It's it gross. is. It is gross. And, and and I think that as somebody who, um, once again, who who perhaps to a fault takes a lot of stock in, um, you know, kind of uh, a one's place not not like in a not like in a social hierarchy but like one's place in like uh you know uh in, in like like the workforce like like or or in like school or in like uh camp or in church or whatever in, in this you know kind of from like a job perspective um i i get really confused when people transgress that because as far as i'm concerned like like when folks kind of transgress that and you know who are at the, who are at the top in particular um these things always happen you know what i mean like like mm -hmm. i i don't get it like like it, it it's uncomfortable and weird you know uh, like he's the dean he's the ordained elder he's the guy in charge why why do this thing um, to to the folks who uh, are, you are, have authority or responsibility over? You know, it, it, why do this thing at all? But like, why do this thing to us and think this is going to like work okay? Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just I I don't know. I I uh, and, and also like this is camp. That's the other thing. Like like we're not we're not all equals. We're not all, they're not all adults. Like right. we're, we're not, we're not jokingly on a kind of an, uh, an equal playing field. Um, uh, looking out at potential suitors, you know, and commenting on their physical appearance, like men and women do to each other, you know, like, like that's not what's happening. That's not what's going on. And so, like, I don't understand why we thought that this was okay. Like, like, what, what was, you know, it, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if uh, if he didn't think that he was doing anything other than lifting this girl up and being good, you know, and nice and complimentary. That this that there is we're not there's no. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, like, there's no yeah. context for this. And it just, man, it frustrates me. It and and disturbs me and annoys me when when people can't like, I don't know, see it that way. It's weird. But that's what's going on with me. That was my week. So you had therapy. Any other fun things happened to you this week so far? <laughs> um yeah. It's been a it's been a big week in the resistance. We had a big project come out that um, has gotten us a lot of positive attention, but uh, has also kind of escalated some negative attention. Um, and we had a big meeting about security. And uh, right now we're trying to decide um, the way in which to report the threats that we've received to law enforcement so that there's a paper trail 
in case something does happen. Um, and there's, there's tension in our group because some people feel like we are not uh, doing enough to report these threats. Uh, when we have tried in the past to report and the police have just been like, if it's not directed at an individual, we can't do anything. But it does feel like um, there's a radicalized group on the right that uh, might try to take some matters into their own hands. And so that's, that's like a, just a constant stressor. And it's hard to know, right? Like it's hard to know what is just somebody blustering and throwing the gun emoji out too often or what is somebody actually moving from blustering to action. And so I, that's just kind of hanging over everything. It's the listeners, you'll hear this a week after, but it's the Democratic National Convention this week. Um, and I've just really been discouraged by the number of people who um, have taken this as an opportunity to, um, to just bash the only real alternative we have to Trump. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like, I don't love Democrats. I, I think the party is full of bullshit. Um, I think that it's not <laughs> as far left as I want it to be that I don't think it is interested in any way in radical change. Like, all of these things are true. And I know that, um, that we still need people who are further left of the Democratic Party, which anywhere else in the world would be centrist, <laughs> um, right. to, to pull it in a direction that we all need in order to be governed more justly and to save lives and things like that. But like, I've just been real discouraged watching people give up and be like, well, this isn't what I wanted. Uh, when what I what I need in this moment is for people to uh, to be like, okay, you know, it's better than what we got right now. It's not what we want. Like, let's set up for the work that is ahead of us. And I, I that's all kind of a facet of the the time that we're in. That we're all exhausted. That um, the pandemic is going to start ramping back up again. It never went away. It's just going to start getting worse again. Uh, as we open up schools and then close schools and all this kind of stuff. And I, um, I don't know, there's, there's so much about our nationwide situation that feels like we are a powder keg and, um, and that's it. That makes it hard to do ministry. <laughs> that makes it hard to just uh, be a thoughtful person in the world because um these are not times where uh, cool heads and wisdom are going to um, win the day. Right. So I've just, I've been really stressed about that. Ian was here this weekend, which was great. Um, but he's also stressed about school reopening. Um, yep, yep. And then uh, listeners will all have heard about UNC Chapel Hill and mm -hmm. how they opened up for two weeks. And on the day that tuition was due, uh, they decided to go fully online. Um, and I love Carolina, but whoo, they did. They screwed the pooch with this one. It was not great. Um, and it's just that we, we all knew this is what was gonna happen, right? Like one of the outbreaks is on frat court, of fucking course, right? Like, I avoided that place in college because there were other diseases pre prevalent there. Like what? What kind? What kind? Uh, syphilis. Syphilis. <laughs> um, 
um, you know, the expected grossness of, of, of frat houses. Um, I was going to be like, no offense to people in frats, but ah, full, full offense. Full offense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel any problems there. Um, yeah. I, 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 there's, it's, it's been hard to find, um, kind of a place to hang my hat on this past week, uh, where like, this feels, this is, this is a place where I feel like rock solid and secure, you know, there's just not, not security. Um, which is okay. Like the world, we are not promised, uh, security in this world, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, it's just been kind of a rocky mental health week. Um, I, I feel like I'm managing a lot of people's feelings and that's my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> it just, mm. it, uh, mm-hmm. um, I had a, I got a call from my lay leader at the new church on Monday who said that like the matriarch of the church had found out that I was involved in the group that I was involved with in moving the Confederate statue uh, and that some other people were kind of up in arms about it. And my lay leader was like, I was kind of hoping this would just go away, but I guess we have to address it now. And how do we want to address it? And all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I just got here. (laughs) Um, But so I like, I was like, you know, we can have a meeting at the church. I can have one-on-one conversations. I would really love to have one-on-one sit downs. I think that's actually more effective. And she's like, okay, well, I'll go, I'll, I'll call our matriarch back and uh, see what she thinks. And then I get a call like three hours later from my lay leader because I was waiting on the list of people that I needed to contact. Uh, and my leader's like, so it just turns out that there's this lady on our congregation who's a little bit of a busybody and she had been looking at your Facebook page and was just stirring up some stuff. So we think we're okay. <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad that we all have the maturity here to notice that like Facebook is not a good enough reason to fire your pastor. Which is very different from the what we've heard from Corey and Liam in just the the sagas of what they have gone through, where Facebook has factored rather. Long. Yeah. Um, but I did. I set my Instagram to private. I set my Twitter to private, and I um, set a lot of the Facebook posts that had been public back to private. Um, and I don't friend parishioners on Facebook. So I've just, I've kind of locked down my social media, not completely, but um, more than it was. Because uh, for a while there, I felt very bold and empowered. And now I don't. And I don't like that feeling. Um, but I did get, I, I called one of my mentors who works at a church in Asheville. Um, and she, she was very wise about how to deal with like the guy who drove by the church which was mostly that uh, I need, I actually have to go to law enforcement. Like we need, we need law enforcement to at least kind of be keeping an eye on things for the physical security of the building. And that like, I am not responsible for the physical security of the building, which I had been feeling a lot. Like I had been feeling that um, anybody else, anybody who chose to, um, come and shoot at a stained glass window or come and threaten us with a weapon at a church service, uh, that that was my fault and my problem. And I was solely responsible for it. 
Uh, and so I need to be the one to deal with it, which is a lot of weight to have on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, and my mentor was like, no, 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 you are absolutely not responsible for how this person is reacting to you. Um, and you have other partners that you can involve in making sure that the church stays safe. Like this isn't all on you. And I was like, you right, you right. Um, I can't say that anymore. Uh, cause I'm just adopting a bonics. Uh, let me say it again. So I was like, right. <laughs> she had to say it as boring as possible. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. Good lady. I cannot approach. I cannot culturally appropriate anything. Uh, I just, I, I'm trying to be very cognizant of it uh, because I have actually hurt other, I have hurt black people in the past by uh, adopting their mannerisms and I have been corrected on it. And I, uh, yeah, to kind of bring it like full circle to the, the Dean, um, I was really hurt the first time that somebody called me out on it. Um, and was like, but I was just doing, I was just uh, uh, matching your behavior toward a, a camper who I was just taking a load off of your plate and I was doing it in a way that I saw was effective, uh, but I was actually doing a lot of uh, cultural appropriation that was not helpful. Um, and so I was really hurt and I was like, well, I don't, it was one of those moments of like, I'm not racist. This was back in like, God, 2012, 2011. So it was a while ago. Oh, um, no. this, is, this is a long time ago for you to be holding on to this. Well, it's, it's, I'm not holding on to it. I'm saying that like, this was a moment where I did not receive correction well. And now that like, I am in a, a season of growing in my racial awareness, that kind of guides me toward paying attention to what I'm saying. That's what something I struggle with a lot is that um, I I could have just redirected myself without saying out loud that I can't say that anymore, and then it wouldn't be a problem. But because I keep feeling the need to like show people that I'm still learning, I say it. Um, right. And you I should. I you should. Uh, you should in order to counteract it, you should really uh, get into like the Appalachian mindset and like adopt Appalachian phrases. Cause that, that can be, that can be the white thing for us. You know, we can just adopt Appalachia speak and then we can be more white. I just don't know what to do. This is actually a, a dynamic that uh, a, an aspect of, of race and culture that like, I find very difficult and, and I don't really fully understand because I don't really know. I just sort of talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where it comes from half the time. Um, half the time it comes from star Wars. So like, I don't, right. I don't really know. I don't really know what to do. Like, like I'm not saying don't receive the criticism or the calling out that you or I or anybody would receive. I, I'm not saying purposefully hurt people's feelings like like or it, it, that came out that came out a little condescending not hurt people's feelings but purposefully make people uncomfortable or hurt them or whatever that's not what i'm saying mm -hmm. but like i also don't i don't know like do, do you just want to talk like a like a yankee is that the plan like, like is, is the plan is the plan to talk like a yankee college professor so that you stay in your lane 
you know, that I just find that strange. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. You know, all, all forms of American popular music, except for bluegrass were, were lifted from black artists first. So what do we do? You know, all forms of, (laughs) like, what what, do I just, do I just go and try to learn a European language? (laughs) So that way, so that way I can't be, (laughs) you know, in trouble. Yeah, I, um, for my effort is primarily noticing phrases that I have lifted from Black people that I have known and incorporated into my vocabulary and have been so much a part of my vocabulary that I don't even think about it anymore. Sure. So like, um, the the you write that like I, I I know that I picked that up from my black boss when I was uh at the planetarium um and um like I'll I'll say use welcome sometimes instead of you're welcome and I know that I got that from a black camper of mine you know like there were just things that this very specifically was something that like sounded delightful to my ear and that I appreciated and that um came from somebody who I valued or admired or cared for and was like oh because they say it I can say it Uh, And now I'm just having to go back and remind myself that like these phrases were phrases that I, I borrowed, but they are not phrases that belong to me. And I have other things that I can say in the place of them. Like you're right. And thank you, which I also say anyway, you know, Uh, right, right. and somebody is defecated on this aeroplane. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I, it's, it, it sounds pedantic. It sounds picky, but it's also like something that I can control right now. Like it's a concrete sure. way that I can be practicing being better and that feels good. So I do it. Well, and that's good. And I, I don't mean to, I hope you don't read my, my questioning and comments as like, uh, you're being stupid or, or don't do that. Like, I don't, I don't mean that, you know, I, and, and if you are reading them, I sincerely apologize because, because I don't mean it to be that way, but I'm no, just no, trying to, right. I'm just trying to under, understand it a little bit better and wrap my brain around yeah. it. And it's helpful for me to think about it um, because I've just seen an ass ton of performative allyship <laughs> the, sure. these past couple of months. And so it's helpful for me to think through, like, is this performative? Um, and am I like trying to get points by doing it? Or am I like actively, is this something that is going to uh, be helpful for others in the future? And like, this is borderline just performative, but it's one of those things of like, um, it's an indicator the things you say can be an indicator to somebody who you just met of where you're at, you know? And so um, me adopting a phrase that you would not expect to be a part of my vernacular um, and then saying that like, like that's a signal to people who don't know me yet that I don't, that I'm not aware of what I'm doing and what I'm saying and that, so that I might not be careful with other things. Sure. And that, like, I have ample opportunity to, to, to prove that wrong, but I may as well just remove it so that I don't have to do that proving it wrong. And the stuff about adopting a more Appalachian vernacular, um, 
if you're not from Appalachia, there's no need for you to adopt any of it. Like that doesn't, that doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> so. I, yeah, I, I know that. I know. <laughs> I'm so not actually making that being, suggestion. No, I, but like, I get where, I get what you mean by it. It's the weird thing about being the dominant culture is that, um, uh, so much we feel very milk toast because our culture is the common culture and if we want to have something that uniquely identifies us we feel like we need to be outside of the common culture without realizing that like all of this is is ours and we just don't need to be stealing things that aren't ours you know um sure yeah that was a that was a digression <laughs> from what I think we wanted to talk about but no that, that that's okay that's okay yeah and I I don't know I really hope to continue to have conversations about um things like this things that seem small and that um old white men get really up in arms when you challenge them on and they say that it's this is PC culture and it's gone too far and you can't just say anything anymore and um the like the other way to look at this and I and I wish that um the work could be done to kind of transform old white men's understanding of this. Um, the other way to look at this is uh, that you never stop learning and that, um, that people now have access to new stories and new perspectives that, that they didn't have access to when they were learning things for the first time. And so every time that you are corrected, it is an opportunity for you to be able to be kinder to your neighbor. It is an opportunity for you to love your neighbor better. Like this is an opportunity for you to follow Jesus more closely if they're mm -hmm. Christian, you know, like in all of these things, it's not that we are screaming in your face saying you can't say that. And you're a terrible person because you're saying this it's, you know, maybe you don't know this yet, but the the way that we can be kinder to our neighbors is to say things this way or to avoid saying this or this. Like we had um, one member of our group yelled at one of the county commissioners because he kept on using the N-word when he was telling a story. And she was like, you can't say that. You can't even say it in a story. Like black members of our group can say it, but you can't say that. Um, and she was like, I won't sit here and listen to this. And he had been really physically intimidating as well. And, and he also wasted our time because he was going to vote the way he was going to vote anyway. Um, sure. And all sorts of stuff. But um, the, like the teachable moment was gone because I, because she directly called him out and he got defensive. And while I am exhausted from having to care for the fragile eagle egos of old white men, like they like, you have to, you just have to, like somebody somewhere has to be putting in that work. And I don't know who was the right person to do that, but like somebody's got to, otherwise they're not going to get any better. And they're the ones with all the guns. So, uh, that wasn't cheerful. That wasn't where I wanted to go with that. But <laughs> like this, this is kind of what I wrestle with is like yeah. old white men are not my ministry. That's not my mission field. That's not what I'm called to. That's not the work that I, that I was designed and made for. 
And there are plenty of plenty, so many other pastors whose job it is to like walk alongside and baby old white men as they figure out how to live in this world that is moving past them. Um, and I'm just not, I'm not that person that's just going to inherently frustrate me. And I will have to grow a lot more as a Christian and as a pastor before I am comfortable and competent at that. And in the meantime, the other places where I am gifted are going to completely atrophy because I'm spending all my time catering to this group who is not my ministry. And so I, I'm frustrated at that too. Um, just that we get, we get put in these settings that can be so loving toward us, but that don't help us like you, you are lucky if you get placed in a church as a new clergy person to be placed in a church that actually helps you grow um, sure. and, and really highlights your gifts. And I think I've gotten lucky in a lot of ways, but the pandemic has uh, taken away a lot of the ways that I would have done, that I would have really um, grown within the church structure. And so now I've had to go outside of the church structure, which has caused problems within the church structure. And it, it, it's frustrating to have to tiptoe. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you gotta. So, yeah. Well, we are at an hour. Do we want to do a mini-sode on mental health? <laughs> no, I, I actually, if you want, it might be cathartic. I kind of want to do a mini-sode on the DNC. <laughs> okay. Uh, to be fair, I have not watched... Uh, I, I have only watched like little clips. I've paid attention. I've listened to coverage. I have not watched any of it. That, that's okay. But uh, I just still think we should do it. So anyway, friends, this has been an episode of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Ethan and Joe, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.